ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Above the Bar podcast. For each week, we belly up to the bar with a new guest, find out what they do, who they are, and what makes them great. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. It's your host, Sean. You're probably wondering, is something broken? Did my calendar fall apart? What is going on here? It's a Saturday, and Sean's on on all my networks. Nope, we had a unique opportunity to meet someone who isn't Bob the Builder, um, isn't um, Bob Vila. I don't know why they're all named Bob. Bob the Builder with boobs. I, I, you beat me to the punch because I was going to say it's Bob the Builder with boobs. And she beat me to the punch. Bellying up to the bar with us today, coming to us live from California. In, and I, I mean, I, I see a lot of nice wood in her house. Uh, so we know that means she's not in Northern California. Must be in with some other area of California because they have nothing you know, they have all the problems with the wood and the fire. So she's got it all figured out. Joining mm-hmm. us. CEO, entrepreneur, architect, builder, and I'll just say it because she said it already with boobs. We have joining us Miss Julie Lawton. Thank you very much, John. I'm so glad to be here on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> See, look at that. It's Saturday night and we're live at eight o'clock. And I brought for another beat, I brought bourbon. So or next there you go. Actually, it's right. It looks today, good. So looks tasty. <laughs> It is my favorite rye, New New nice. Scotland rye. So that is my, my go-to. So before we get too far, let's go ahead and get some house cleaning ju- done. I appreciate you joining us today, Miss Julie. But real quick, as always, folks, over my right shoulder, we got the big board for sticker and a cause. If you have something you support, something that you believe in, uh, maybe you have your own building company. Maybe you have your own thing that you're doing Make sure you reach out to us. You can catch us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, uh, TikTok, even our emails, all the above the bar podcast. You reach out and you tell me what you got going on and we will uh, tell you where to send it. You send me a sticker. We throw it up on the board. We talk about it. We just had uh, earlier this week, Generation Axe from here in the Albany area. It's an axe throwing place where they have, it, Julie, they have liquor and they have sharp objects. Oh, nice. How much better does it get than that? Liquor and sharp objects. So it can't get, what could go wrong? Uh, so we had them and we throw a big sticker up for those folks. Uh, so make sure, again, sticker and a cause, reach out to us. But we also have our big sponsor, Budget Blinds of East Greenbush. Budget Blinds of East Greenbush is your go-to location for window blinds, coverings, any of those type of, type of things that you have going on. If you reach out to them, they will send one of their expert window covering folks they'll talk to you about window treatments blind shade shutters drapes it's all at affordable prices their friendly staff helps you figure out what the perfect window treatment is for your home and the best part about it is and julie so you're a builder you know how yep. this this goes how many times do people they say oh well i want to see something in my window and these stores tell them well send me bring a picture of your windows they don't bring this stuff to the house Yes, it's kind of silly. You got to go out and you got to look. And then you got to look what what they have and what they want and help them make the decision because they're not designers. That's it. Or or they send or the designer says, "Well, I'll come out and look, but some third party's going to install it for them." 
Nah, yeah. It doesn't work. Well, Budget Blinds of East Greenbush, free in-home consultation. They're going to come out and do the measuring is free. Their installer is going to install it. So it's still somebody that works for the company is going to install it. And the best part about it is, is they're going to give you a five-year, no questions asked, one-time replacement on each one of your shades, shutter, whatever it is, one time, no questions asked. The dog eats the bottom of it. The cat thinks it's a, it's a, uh, they can jump off of it. The kid throws the baseball through it, whatever it is. One time, no questions asked for five years. They'll come out and replace it. And if you tell them that you're there to belly up to the bar, they're going to give you 15% off of your first order just for mentioning the show. That's a pretty good deal. And they, and they help you pick it. That's the biggest part of it. Helps you with somebody with good taste helps you pick it. You know, well, you, you know, what threw me off? The things that they have you seen some of the motorization that's out there now, the automation. I mean, you're a oh, yeah. designer. The, the complicated. Fa the fact that I, they've got one that all their systems work together. So if you if you buy from this company and that company, you like what this one does, and you can just they all work together, and you can go, hey, raise my Alexa, raise my blind. That's fascinating to me that they can make it like that so simple with Alexa because in the old days, trust me, 20 years ago, it was complicated and it was expensive. And then you walk in your house, you can't remember, have a few drinks, how to turn your lights on, you know. It's like, fuck. <laughs> I, I, Alexa, can you, oh, God, just turn the light on, Alexa, but not real bright. I can only use one eye. <laughs> you know, those things happen. But again, let them know you're there to belly up the bar. They're going to give you a discount on your entire order. Just mention that you're there for this. So the house cleaning is done, Miss Julie. We're all set to go. You already have, you know, I've become a pretty big fan, but your biggest fan, she's already here listening, Miss Kristen Manna. She says, oh, yeah, hey, Kristen hey. Manna, my, uh, my little hummingbird. <laughs> I call her my hummingbird. <laughs> if she is on your side, that you can not go wrong at all. So She's uh, very helpful. We're having fun. She is a blast. But, but you know, I wanted to go back to, to what I said at the beginning and kind of how I, I, I pitched this show for everyone to listen is, you know, some people talk about breaking the glass ceiling for women. You, you built a scaffolding around it, put, you know, put some better treatments on it, built the house around it and made it your own. Does that sound about right? Yes. I had uh, no fear in getting uh, in a group with a bunch of men. My job is no different than being dropped into a middle of a, high security prison yard yeah I, I i've known uh i i you know we had guys that lived up the street from me i grew up in baltimore you had uh painter bill the drop you know the you know you were known by your your skill set there was the drywall guy calling that the drywall guy the carpenter guy the, the, yeah. that's the tile guy I, I, I still do that yeah <laughs> you know so i mean but i'm curious and you you've kind of hinted at it 20 years now you've been in this industry uh, how did you step into it? Because you do have an architectural background also. Is that where we started from? How did you actually yep. end up, you know, or nope. to even well, what the funny part, the funny part is I've been doing the same thing I'm doing today for 40 years because I went to college for architecture because I could draw and do drafting and mechanical engineering since I was 14. So college was architecture. Then I got bored and I switched to landscape architecture. Then I switched to interior design, how humans function in their dwelling and their office. It fascinated me how to make the building work for the human. So then I took all that and it had a degree focused on architecture. And I got my first job in New York City. And the first thing I did is work for the top five developers on the biggest buildings in the projects in the city, which are all the 40 story high rises and me working with all the construction and the concrete 
and all the guys standing in the dirt since day one with the plans telling them, hey, you got to move this wall. Hey, you got to do this. That furniture we're going to put in is not going to work. So I was in the dirt since day one, one on huge construction sites. And I was the only woman. And it was fun because I grew up with men and, you know, my mom had a big family. So I don't know. I was, it didn't bother me. But I was doing this since I was 21. Well, will you kind of throw, throw that out there, you know, and I know New York City construction. And for folks that don't. That's hundred percent union work. Oh so, yeah, and all the guys that the guys that worked with me, I had a crew of men that were gay men that helped me install the furniture, and they liked to break the rules or they didn't listen because we're always in a rush, and we got our sofas slashed and our furniture slashed because they used the elevator without permission. I warned them, don't do that, and I always followed all the rules, and they loved me for that because they knew I respected them and they knew I. But when I wasn't there, shit happened. And then I come back and everything's destroyed. And I'm like, what did you do? And and they, and folks, if you don't understand New York city union rules, that is the way it works. That guy who operates the elevator makes more money than Jesus. Yeah. uh, It's that's this, that's just it. And, and they, I remember that one night I, we were in a rush and I came back the next day and, and I'm like, really? I told you, you don't fuck around with this. And this, and I knew day one, because my dad was a truck driver and a policeman and had bikers for friends and was raised by the Hells Angels, I think, according to his childhood memories. You know, <laughs> they were his neighbors. There was a clubhouse next to his house. And uh, so we, I just know that those kind of rules. And so, you know, I got that. Uh, that's it's so awesome that you're like, Oh, I didn't buck against it. I understood what the rules were. I knew how to function yeah. inside of it. So, so five years in New York City, you're you're working uh, seven, your way- seven years. Oh, seven years in the city. Yeah, so seven years in in the city. Uh, where are you from originally? From the East Coast? I'm from Iowa. I'm from a small town in Iowa. My family's Irish and English and German, and they all farmers for five generations. The Lawton farm is two hundred and twenty some years old. Oh, wow. My grandma was. Um, a Grecan married to a Deegan, and then so I'm Irish, Scottish, and English, and a pinch of German. Just a ju- just a pinch, just a pinch, you know. I, I was surprised because my DNA says I'm nine percent German, and I swear it was you know fifty percent, but I'm one third Irish. I mean, one third English is first, and then Scottish, and then Irish is twenty eight. So it starts at thirty two, thirty, and twenty eight. So it's weird. My last name Lawton rang true because my last name is my great grandmother's maiden name i never changed my name okay. so i took her name she never married so well i'll, I'll throw you a twist Th- those dnas will bring more shit out of the woodwork than you could ever imagine i it's, it's i funny. <laughs> we we all we often joked in my family when my grandfather passed and i've talked about it on the show when my grandfather passed there was more women crying at his funeral that we didn't know than we did and uh, Isn't that funny? It's like I, John Wayne. I had a young lady reach out to me a couple years ago, and she's like, "This says that this person on, in your family is my uncle, but we don't know." And I'm like, "Young lady, just call me. I can tell you exactly what probably happened there. And someone in your family, you may not want to dig too deep into this, but call me. I'll let you know." And I never heard from her again. Somebody must have been oh. like, "Back off! You don't want to know the answer to this." When I'm like. Well, that's just it. All this stuff comes up. And I have an uncle who passed away. And he was a little bit, he was fun, but he passed away when he was 40. And supposedly uh, five years before he passed away, he had a one night stand. And that little girl showed up on DNA five years ago. Yeah. 
And she was 32 years old and we love her. And now she's in our family, yeah. but she's popped up on DNA. We're like, what? And she was like right next to me in, in DNA. What was like a sister almost. She was right there. So it was weird because she was so close. Yeah. I have an, I have an aunt like that. She, she reached out to us. Uh, I think it was like 2017. And she reached out to my cousin and had most of the information correct. She's like, I have a brother named, Dennis and I have another brother and I think this is his name and I'm like nope she's thinking of Wayne that's my uncle and she's going through all this and I'm like and I talked to my cousin and he knew because my grandfather was married once before my grandmother and we went through this whole thing and oh, and, yeah. and she was told on uh when her I think it was actually when her father was passing like he told her the real deal and uh I'm like, yep. Hey, look, my buddy, Master Guns Ray says that's why my DNA is rated top secret, unaccessible after death. Hey, look, I get, I, it, right? I, you know, I. I know I, it's funny. Some people are afraid to take it, and um, I can see why. I mean, it's weird, but I was excited to take it to see what's out there because you know. But then, like I said, we got a nice surprise. So <laughs> uh, it, it's. I'll tell you, probably the weirdest one for me is you know, you know that saying six degrees degrees of separation. Oh yeah. All like so far. So my cousin, her son shows up on my DNA, but on both sides of my family, on my mother's side and my father's side. Oh. So who her her son's father is somehow related on my mother's side as a distant cousin. That's weird. So I'm like. That, that's weird. That's you know, so we had stuff like that, but either way, back on track here because we make so many left. Well, let me tell you one more. My husband's sister found out they don't have the same father when they uh, did theirs a couple of years ago, and they're sixty. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, look. Okay, so we're gonna go with it for a minute. So, on my, I don't care. My mother thinks it's hilarious. On my mother's side, I had people start aunts and uncles like, "Hey, we're not." 50% with our sister and we're like and they were like what do you think that means and I went well let me tell you that means who you think your daddy was ain't your daddy and they oh, were like I'm like yeah and my granny was amazing I loved her but we know how my granny was you know that's why you know what makes me laugh about all of it is you hear these older generations and they're like such sticklers and they're so ultra like this it's all got to be this way. And then we take these DNA tests and you're like, y'all lying. You know that, right? Yeah, exactly. The they, like, they lied I, a lot more back then. Yeah. It was like, wait a sec. And I saw this Indian comedian. He was the best. He's like, just understand that your grandparents were involved in naked parties during the sixties and doing things, whether you like it or not. And everybody in the audience was like, Oh shit, they did grow up during that time frame. Oh shit. If you think about the 20s when cocaine was legal and the alcohol, and yeah. then you think about the 60s, there's a couple periods where it was pretty damn wild. <laughs> yeah, they, they were they were doing their, their whole thing, everything under the sun. But that, that kind of brings me back. Like you've done your own thing, and I don't mean like that. Uh, maybe I don't know, but you've done your own thing. And so you leave from New York. Now what 
this would have been what the night the early 90s 1990 there was a recession in manhattan and nobody was building and i didn't have anything to do and i was working on uh, felix Rowatin's son's uh apartment so it's a big wig son you know is a really famous guy and i had some nice clients but it wasn't enough work so i went to visit a friend in college and sat on the beach for two weeks in san diego and i thought damn california is nice damn the weather's nice it's a little healthier here because the nightclubs are getting boring the partying was getting boring. Everybody's getting married and moving back to Europe. All my friends, it was slowing down in the city. All the good clubs were closing. So I just moved to California on a whim. And my sister UPS my apartment. I rented a part, I rented a hotel room. I rented a car. I got a job in one week's time. I was settled. Boom. And uh, and then I got a job and I didn't like it. And I thought, you know what? No one's gonna I tried to get another job as an architect with an architect, and they wouldn't hire me because they said I had too much experience. And I'm like, what? So I got a job in this kitchen showroom selling cayenne custom wood kitchens in Beverly Hills. And that kind of changed my world because I was in sales and I didn't know I had this personality. I sold a million dollars of kitchens and somebody drugged me down to Newport Beach. And that started that second chapter where I was able to open my own business with the kitchen custom kitchen hook. So now, now I want to talk a little bit about. So I own my own my own business also. I, I'm I'm an, I, being called an entrepreneur to me is such a weird thing. Yeah, you know, it is weird because you're just making it. You're just working. <laughs> right. To me, it's why well, my dad owned his own businesses before he he went back to to a corporate world. But I saw that. But when you when you started telling folks like, "Hey, I'm just going to go out and do my own thing and do custom kitchens and and do these designs," I have an architectural background. I understand what people are looking mm -hmm. for in their kitchens. What were some, especially again, we're going. This is probably still in the '90s at this point. It was. Um. Mm -hmm. And I th I feel like our generation was pretty open-minded, but I also still joke around that I, people look at me crazy when I talk about a 56K modem. And they're like, what was that? So <laughs> what were some of the reactions that you got when you were like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, again, we talked about that glass ceiling. You were like, what the fuck are you talking about glass ceiling? I'm moving on past that. What were some of the reactions you got? Well, I just went ahead and did that custom kitchen thing. And I was like, I was talking to my mom. I go, you know, it's sales. I've, I've never done sales. It's kind of like I was kind of thinking it was beneath me because I was all haughty, tardy architecture design and all this stuff. And she goes, well, you know, you're born salesman. I've known that forever and a type personality. And I was like, you know, because I was always a little reserved. But anyway, so they supported me, but I was still like, wow, this is weird. So I, but I met all these clients. So it kind of was a gift because I met all these clients and all of a sudden I have all these design clients, which eventually turned into con construction clients 10 years later. But it was weird because it was like, I just went to the newspaper and found a fucking job and, and I, it happened to be custom kitchens, but I didn't care. I needed to work because no one was supporting me. So I just left my little career path. I thought, but I didn't, but it actually, it, it changed my career path and it got me into what I'm doing today. So it was like kind of weird, but uh, no one, everybody thought it was funny. I came from New York city and I was working retail, but yeah, but I didn't care. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, I mean, custom kitchens. I, I recently uh, was talking with a friend who's a, a real estate agent out this way. And even still today, I mean, you can go back as far as you want. You can sell the ugliest house in the world. If it's got a beautiful kitchen, that's it. Everybody wants a kitchen. Every home is every purchase is seventy five percent by the woman, and every purchase starts with the kitchen and what it looks like and if it functions. Because otherwise, they won't buy it because they got to spend money. They want the kitchen to work. Mm -hmm. Hundred, like I, 
the the last house I bought before moving in with my wife, I had a house in our community. And the house was great, but I bought it because the kitchen was done. It was triangle shaped. It was the right oh. everything was the triangle. You know, yeah, oh, nice. And if you don't know what that means, folks, that means you can go from the sink to the stove to the fridge and back and forth in a triangle shape. So it was done mm-hmm. properly. It, it was done properly and it changed my outlook. But that makes me wonder. So for yourself in from that design standpoint, I'm thinking design wise, how had how did going from an architect and obviously if you sold a million dollars worth of worth of kitchens, that's it helped. But was there anything in particular that you said, hey, this background fed into that background, like it made that easier from an architect and design standpoint for even the, just starting with the kitchens? Well, that's just it, because I'm a draftsman. I've been drawing technical drafting since I was 14. So I loved it because I could actually draw the kitchens and design it. And then when I went to the person's home, they told me what they wanted in the kitchen. Well, that led right into the rest of the house. And I could use my interior design degree and my architecture degree to add rooms on and design the whole house. So it snowballed because I was so overqualified selling kitchens, but it, it opened the door. I was in like... A thousand homes. I mean, I was in so many homes in Beverly Hills, Palos Verdes because of the kitchen. And then it got me into all these jobs. It was so weird, but then I could consult with them. And so by the time I got to Laguna, they just started firing the contractor and the architect. And I just took over. And that, so, so net, and it's funny because I had to actually look up what that meant. I had never heard that term design build. Yeah, it's kind of new, but it just means one stop shop. Even though no one else really does one shop, stop shop, but me, everybody else makes you work with the architect, makes you work with the interior designer, makes you work with the contractor, the landscaper, and five engineers. But they just say they oversee it, but they don't. <laughs> so, so from from a and this, if I don't know if this even makes sense as a question, as it's, it's sticking in my head. But if I'm going out and I'm, I have to in my head, I think if I have to deal with all these separate subcontractors. Even if my my GC general contractor is my is project managing for me, I mm-hmm. still now got to pay. I'm paying an overhead for all these people. Yes, you are for fifteen to twenty percent uh, on each one. So guaranteed, guaranteed. So it actually would make sense then for me to find a design build because they yes. control everything. Here's here's what I do as one-stop shop. Now, no one else physically does this on the planet, but this is what I do because all the rest of the contractors hook you up with their favorite architecture and their favorite decorator, and then they still have to make you hire the five engineers. So I do the architecture. I do the interior design. I do the custom kitchen design. Then I hire the structural engineer. I hire the survey guy. I hire the soils guy. I hire the title engine, title 22 engineer guy. And then I, then I submit all the plans to the city, work with the plan check and the building department. And then I pull the permit as the contractor, run the job with my 21 employees and my 27 subs. So I'm managing all that as one person with one little brain here as the champion of the project on the behalf of the client making decisions so nobody fucks up because everyone wants to take advantage of the client. So I protect the client because I've always been protecting the client as the designer. So it's easy to slip into the contractor role and then protect them from what's happening because then I was in charge. So now you I'm curious, how do you keep 
your subs then in check? Because I, I, I hire subs and I treat them right and they respect me and I respect them and they know how I work. So when I call them, I'm first. And then I keep my subs forever until they freaking die. I mean, I don't switch around and swap around. I never ask them for a discount, but I act, we, we check them on the bids because I can always go out and get two or three bids against them. And they know, I always know they're in the same bid and I don't work with subs that pad the bill or add my percentage on top before they give it to me because there are greedy guys out there like that who offer nothing in exchange. So I don't want to manage their men, but I'm also not paying for that. So all my subs are at the going legal rate average rate and i keep my subs forever so when i pick up the phone and i want something done my family shows up and that's it so it's like a you know like a big gang so i treat them right they cheat me right but if i have to check them and someone challenges me i'll do it all day long i don't care because i already know they're not gouging me because i know the prices right because i just i think of subs you know i've seen it you know guys come to my house for stuff and you might talk to somebody and they're like hey look man you know it's $200 for this light bulb to get changed. But uh, if you want, call me after this is over and I'll do it for a buck 50. You yeah, know, I don't work with guys like that. Uh, uh-uh. So, you know, and, and I'm just thinking, you know, you've been in this for so long. That had to be take a lot of time to even get into. But it more- took me 10 years to go through the process as owner builder, working with the client, watching the subs do things like that and not pulling permits and taking the money and stealing and, this and that. And then when I became the contractor, I had to groom each one and I got rid of the bad ones, but I had some bad ones. Trust me. I've been through everything. I've been through the subs that go behind my back. I've been through the subs that have slept with my clients wives. That's how bad it is. <laughs> it's because a- the fucking ladies come to the job half naked. And then the end, and then by the end of the week, they're in bed together. I am telling oh. you, I've had that happen twice. Oh, it's so great. Not funny. I got rid of those subs too. You can't trust them. Look, Julie, that is funny. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not funny because it might have cost you. But listen to me. They they make movies about that. There's an entire dot com about my life. There's an entire dot com. Normally, it's a pool boy, but I mean, hey, we could make no, it. No, the subs are just as bad because they get in the house and they never shut up. So I, I don't let the, I don't work with guys that can't keep their mouth shut. We talk, but they're not allowed to talk to the client for that one reason alone, let alone some other reasons. They're not allowed to yeah. talk to them. I'm, I'm dead serious. I make them sign something because oh I can't God. have that happen again. <laughs> well, I can't even like. How does that look? Hold on. I don't know if there's an like you can't like we're going to talk about this for a minute how does that even come up that you like does the sub tell you like hey look i'm sorry this happened or did the husband like the first time it happened i knew the wife was a little a bit um too much around and the husband is gone he was a doctor and um and um so i kind of found out after the job was over because we started talking because i complained about something on the job and he goes yeah you know i fucked the wife and blah blah i'm like please (laughs) But we started to talk. <laughs> but he told me afterwards, and I and I'm like like an affair. He like it was going on for a minute, and then oh. the, and I just like dude. But I I stopped working with him because he has no morals. But oh, I young. <laughs> but I just we had we got start. I got I started complaining about something, oh. and then they just opened the floodgate because you know how men they talk too. They they oh. talk more than women if you get them going. Oh. You know you know especially oh, yeah. if you. Get a couple of drinks in them. Oh, oh, Jason and I went to high school together. 
yeah, Jason, this is amazing. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, thanks, brother. Uh, hold it. So he just nonchalant was like, you know. Yeah, no, he talked all about it. And I go, seriously, how many times? How long does this go on? Oh, my God. That is. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, oh, my God is right. But, um, you know. It's just, uh, yeah, and then you get an. I had another one where the husband went crazy and tried to kill him. So yeah, that's another story. Which, I, I mean, that's dangerous. <laughs> but I, I understand why you. So, like, I'm swearing. I have a rule. I don't. I don't get. I don't get too often speechless, but that is absolutely hilarious to me. Let me tell you, I find out everything too because I'm like the. I. I guess I'm. And maybe it's my strong personality, or maybe it's just a mother figure or the thing, but they tell me everything. Well, that's that's kind of a you know, and you kind of bring that up with the mother figure and the strong personality. I mean, I, I get that vibe from you right away, the personality. Okay, good. Yeah, but, I'm calm right now, but you should see me when I'm in action. What what I'm curious about though is when you started into this, how long did it take you to break that, you know, somebody trying to be like well, where's the owner at? Where's the boss at? Where's the, you know, kind of thinking that you were just in place or that your husband was. Oh, hus they, uh, I never told anybody I had a boyfriend or a husband. And I really didn't get happily married till I was 50. But everyone, everyone thought my husband was their contractor in the beginning. And right. every time I went to the building counter, I showed up with the plans in my hands. And the freaking plan checker says, Hell, you must be the homeowner. I said, no, I'm not the fucking wife. I'm the fucking architect and the contractor, please. So I started wearing shirts with my name on my back 25 years ago that said Julie Lawton Design Build because I got so sick of it. So it took me a good 10 years because, you know, young and I was, you know, young and I, you know, young and pretty and a good figure. They automatically think you're, you're somebody's wife because I I'm oh. 61. I went through that generation where that was still a thing. Now, and I think it's just kind of normal, pause. but I did grow pause. up in the 60s. I'm, pa yeah. I'm pausing you for a second. And you you said it. How old are you? I'm 61. You're a fucking liar. I am 61. I was born in 1962, and I grew up in the 70s. Yeah. And I have, good, I, have good, I have good genes. I have good genes, man. Julie, you are fibbing to me right now. I drank, I drank plenty of tequila and whiskey and wine, and I, I don't have a wrinkle. I don't know. I have good genes. You, I don't know. I, I'm 47. I thought you were about my age. Well, I'm 61, and I'm having a lot of fun. And I was born in 1962, so I got to grow up in the 70s, and that was the funnest time of music and fashion. And, and I got to go to the nightclubs when I was 16, and I had a wonderful life. I lived in New York when Studio 54 was still going. Look, and, look, you uh, know, the real deal in construction. I mean, I learned it. Look, Jason just said she's badass for 61. All due respect. Thank you. I still have my figure. I got the camera too high. You can't see, but... Uh, but I, I'm telling you, and you know, it's funny as you're now when you're saying the clubs were going away, New York, I can't even imagine. So let's go back to, I got to go back to New York City for a second. You weren't just playing, you know, when I think of unions today, and I know how New York is with unions, you were New York unions, uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Or not mafia Hoffa, was there. I, the mafia was there. I had a client who was a bookie too, and I did like three penthouses for him, and it was hilarious. He loved me. We talked about his girlfriends, but I, I had a, I hung out with people that were like, you know, possibly 
from Brooklyn and possibly from the movie Goodfellas. Possibly. Um, possibly. I'm just telling you, I socialize with people downtown and I socialize with people uptown. And I, mean, I went to O-Bars and, and Studio 54 and uh, Area. I was out every single night except Monday. Why not Monday? Because there was nothing going on. And that was one night we didn't go out. Maybe dinner, but no clubbing. But Sunday was always this club downtown. There was some kind of special dance thing going on with like uh, the Jackson 5 and that stuff. But um, we went out every night. And our, our social life was like that town is so small. I knew everyone. And we would just communicate. This is before cell phones. I mean, oh, my God, it was so fun. That mm. I, I mean, and now even even thinking about what you're saying about dealing with like i said i i gotta stick with that for a moment you're a tough lady like I, mean, I, I grew up with a plenty of experience you know but but you treat people right especially men and it's a good thing because it's all about being knowing what you're talking about and being honest and really dealing with the person and it's about respect and i'm telling you it's like a prison yard on a concrete slab you gotta be respectful and know what the fuck you're talking about well i think that's you, it you you just keyed it right there is you, you didn't go into the industry trying to blow smoke up people's ass and be like you said, you know, be a pretty face and be like, oh, I just don't know how to do this concrete rebar. I don't understand that. You came in and you knew what you it were was, talking about. Yeah, it was hard having a figure and wearing heels and a skirt in the 80s because that's how women dress. But I but I overcome that because, you know, I knew how to work with men. And how to behave. And I'm not some fluffhead bimbo. And I'm totally against women dressing sexy and unbuttoning their shirt to get attention or get some guy to freaking help them because they dress like a prostitute. So Julie, whatever. Julie, you're awesome. You're awesome. I love <laughs> it. You're a badass. Look, I mean, give you one more. <laughs> you are a badass. So, so you get out to Cali. We, we know you what happened there. As an entrepreneur, though, and in this industry, you've now been doing this for a long time. Um, this might sound like, I mean, because this means you went through the 07 crash. 07, oh, 07 yeah. House. I went through that big time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people that were in those industries that really took a took a beating, even plumbers. It was tough. Mm -hmm. it was um, tough. You would have went through, what was it, 96, 97, you'd have went through that. There was one then as you see these things as, as a business owner, as, as a leader of, of a team that people rely upon you, what are some of the things that you've learned over these years that if somebody, you know, the next, the next person that's coming up and I don't care, you know, I'm not even being gender specific to it. If you want to, that's fine. Also no, you don't have to. young people need the same. All young people need the same advice. What are some of the things that you would say if you ran into somebody and if you want to stay with construction, that's fine. But from a entrepreneurial new business owner that they if somebody said to you, hey, Julie, I'm going to start an underwater basket weaving store out. What's some of the things that you would you would say just basic foundational things that you're like, look, you got to be able to do this. We already know it's not put your button down too low. I try to unbutton my shirt low and normally get told to put it back up. But that's a whole nother problem. So what do you got? Well, I mean, to make it in business, you might have to get a second job. Maybe you can go be a stripper. I don't know. You get a job that pays. Be a bartender. I don't know. Get a job that pays. That something's easy to do. Be a waitress. Be a bartender. But you might have to have supplemental income, but don't do anything illegal. But, uh, you know, but then you got to find a mentor. 
someone to talk to, cry to, because it's tough. Find somebody not to support you, but to support you emotionally, you know, because it takes money to build a business. I had to work at night. Um, I worked in a restaurant when I moved to California. No one probably knows this for two years, but I built my business, got to drink for free and met everybody in town. So it paid off. You know, it was fun, but I did a little supplemental income, you know, that way. And um, but the thing is to make sure you're doing your passion and then get a mentor and then do, just get any, do a job that supplements your passion so you can stay focused and not have to worry about paying the bills. Now, it's interesting the way you mentioned mentor. You're the first person I've ever heard say mentor, just someone to, to anybody to cry to. Cry to. Cause a lot of people think oh, I need a mentor. That's a, you know, they've already made it in business and done all these things. You're saying you just need somebody that'll listen to you. Yeah, and here's what I did when I was in New York City. I had tough days, long days, didn't know many women that could keep up with me. I worked with all men. So I would go out after work, go to the bar at my favorite restaurant and talk to the bartender about my week, about my day and shoot the shit. And then that solved it. Your, your bartender. That's like therapy. That's like therapy. That was your therapist. That was my Nate, therapist. Nate, if I want to be a stripper, I will be a stripper. I can do it. Dad bods are in. I'm going to be a stripper. Uh, and you're, you're a big fan. And, and we've been kind of. You can be, be a fluffer for porn movies. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not fluffing anybody. <laughs> Just kidding. There's oh. all kinds of jobs out there. Look, if you want to do it, there, there, there's a website for you. Feetfinder.com. Go get you some. <laughs> uh, but Julie's talking about, or Kristen's talking about, being being female in a male dominated industry, and we've kind of been talking about that. Thanks, yeah, Jason. Well, I work with all men my whole life, and being a female means don't take your sex and use it. Use your brain because I have a cousin, Haley Deegan, who's a number one NASCAR driver for her age. Her cousin, her father's Brian Deegan, my mom's brother's kid. Anyway, she's a female race car driver. And it's not because she's a woman that she's good. It's because she had good training and good practice. A woman has nothing to do about it, but we might have some skills that make us better at the job, but when you're dealing in business, it's your knowledge and skill and your ability to communicate. And I communicate probably different than most women do with men and because and, I actually know my business, but I, and I like my business. I like construction. Well, I, I think that's the key to it is, is you can, you know, and people talk about, well, everyone can have a chance and everyone should have a chance. But the minute you open your mouth and we get beyond a chance, you better know what you're talking about. Oh, you, yeah. You better know what you're saying. You know, I, I, I'm a retired Marine. It gets my foot in the door to a lot of places that maybe I shouldn't be initially or not traditionally can get into. But if I don't talk like I know what the hell I'm talking about when I get there. It's a, it's the puppy dog tap on the head. Thanks for coming out. We appreciate yeah, it. That's just it. And if you don't know what you're talking about in construction, they just walk away and like, Oh shit. And uh, that's too bad because construction is like a different language. We're like talking in Greek to each other. And if you don't know the language, you don't belong there. And you can tell when someone comes onto the slab, especially the client or just some, a designer or decorator, they're not comfortable. They don't fit in. And they can't talk the lingo or even understand what we're trying to do because it's all engineering and structural stuff. And, oh, my God, it's just it's heavy duty. So it's not for the faint hearted, but you got to get your to be a woman in construction. You got to get in the dirt early. That's all I can tell you. You can't fake it. Now, just be an architect and jump in. You got to get in the dirt. 
Now, for those of us that, you know, I can't, I would, I would hire you, Julie. You, you've you. already sold me. Um, I have two kidneys. I'll get rid of one of them. I'm, I'm hiring you. I don't know what project it is, but I'm hiring you. But for those of us that are on, away from you, maybe we're on the East Coast or we're just not in that, your area of California to where we could reach out to you. What are some of the pitfalls or advice you would say from that language standpoint where you would say, hey, at least understand the basics of this before you call that that GC or that? Yes. So what I did is I developed this seven simple steps to have a successful remodel or custom home build. So I have the seven steps of who you hire and who you work with from A to Z till it's done. So as long as you know how the process works and who's supposed to do what, because there's no other me's out there. There are some other design firms, but you really need to know what your architect should and shouldn't be doing, what your designer should and shouldn't be doing, what your contractor should and shouldn't be doing. And they shouldn't be doing each other's job. They need to stay in their lane and work together. And if you hire an architect, bring that contractor in right away for pre-construction because nobody does that and get the engineer and the architect and the contractor talking. So you got to know the process. So I developed the seven simple steps, uh, just so you know. And I wrote a book about how to avoid a nightmare remodel, which is coming, but the seven steps outlines it. Now, where are the seven steps at? It's under julielottendesignbuild.com. So do I got to, do I need to pay for them? What what I got to do to get them? I'm giving my seven steps away for free. And then I'm going to do a bunch of other seven steps that detail out each one of those steps and those would be a small fee for a course you can take, which is just a bunch of videos of me explaining everything in detail because it's a lot of information. Oh, my God. I could spend an hour on the phone with someone explaining the process. What? Now, everything's normally 10. Everything's normally like the 10 steps. Why seven? Because lucky seven. I don't know. I'm just curious. I had it, I had it down to three steps. Design. Build it, love it, but you got to really break it down so they understand it's design it, you know, pre-site visit. Don't buy it unless it actually works and then then design it and then submit it to the city and then bid it and then don't bid, don't sign the construction until everything's picked and selected and then sign the construction, contract and build it and then do your warranties and home maintenance and know, make, please understand how to t- care for your home and then hire someone to do lifetime maintenance. So we're not coming back 10 years later and redoing your whole house because it failed because you didn't do your caulking. So there's a whole thing. Yeah. That's interesting. The lifetime maintenance, just having a handyman that yes. can come out and, and we do it for our cars. We do it for our bodies. But we don't think about. I've never thought about that till you just said that. Yeah, I, I never till you just said that. My RV, my tractor, everything like that, every year gets serviced to keep yeah. up. With it. I never yes. thought about just having someone come out. You have to. to. You like, have to clean your gutters, do the caulking, um, check your air conditioner vents, clean your air vents. Geez, if you have pets, clean them once in a while. I mean, that's all kinds of stuff. But it's just it's really simple to stay ahead of it. You know. Now, you're in, in folks, if you're watching this live, you can see scrolling across the, the bottom of the screen, Julie Lawton. And Lawton is L-A-U-G-H-T-O-N, design build. And that's Julie Lawton, design build.com. Uh, her Instagram and her Facebook is at Julie Lawton. You can find her on those locations. Now, Kristen's asking, do you have your own podcast? I have my own podcast, and that's another website called Julie Lawton Living. 
at now, now, what is that focus? Now, does that focus more on the design side? What does that focus on? Believe it or not, the, my my original um, website is Julie Lawton Design Build, which is julielawton.com. And that's all about my business and all my projects and all my glorious transformations of homes. And then I have Julie Lawton Design Build, which is the seven steps of how to do the remodel. And then Julie Lawton Living is me basically being a mentor to the younger generation, whether you're man or woman, just inspiring you how to get out there and just do what you want to do, do your dream. And, you know, cause it's not easy. And I, I, and I'm also living proof that a woman can be in a con be a contractor and be successful. So I'm, I'm also encouraging women to get into construction, but I'm really just offering advice to the young people of how to do it. Cause it's not easy, but it's scary, but, it's not impossible. I, I love the way you're approaching it, Julia. I'm going to be real honest. I have two two daughters, one that just bought a two-family okay. home uh, so that she could live upstairs and rent the downstairs out. There you go. And I've always been the one to be like, here's a toolbox. Here's tool stuff. Call oh, me, yeah. Call me when you've really reached that point that you can't do it yourself. Uh, I'll be happy to come over and break it with you because um, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy that like, I know where my limits are. I, I'm, that's good. And that's good. It's better to have someone help you, but you can try a little bit because, absolutely, you know, everybody's different. I know my dad taught us how to swing a, swing a sledgehammer, drive a bobcat, lay concrete when we were 14 and do all kinds of stuff and awesome. carry around big bags of this and that at 90 pounds each. And, you know, he never, you know, but, you know, I never wanted to be a carpenter, but I did do framing for one summer 10 years ago. And, and, and you learned how to do it. You know how to do I it. I learned how to do it. I almost shot my hand with a nail three times and, you know, but killed me. <laughs> I thought, oh, shoot, I'm going to really injure myself here. But I did it one summer and I learned and it's hard. But it also keeps somebody from being blow smoke up your ass. Oh, yeah. No, I learned how to do it. And I know and I had to learn. And because my head framer and my head carpenter who's still with me, he's meticulous. And he uh, he's the one that checks the workers, but I need to know too. And I really did need to know. And I just wanted to do one trade that I could really say I did it. And that framing is was good. And but damn, is hard. That thirty pound freaking nail gun. And I was I wore my cow, cowboy boots and my jeans the whole time, so that wasn't so comfortable. Yeah, I was about to say cowboy boots. Um, that that's one of my favorite videos. Is uh, it's a guy because I used to work on the railroad, and the guy's doing a video, and he's like. People out here, you know, worrying about getting uh, scuffs on their $100, $150 sneakers. We're out here with two and $300 work boots just destroying them things. Exactly. Look, a good pair of Red Wings or Danners, wear them suckers right out. So, yep. you know, is there, it, Kristen, I, I'm going to let you have the whole show here before it's all over. She's, she's like, she told me, she's like, I'm going to send you all. Telling me. But, uh, she does have a great point. And you kind of talked, touched on it with the New York city stuff. When you got out to California and as you've gotten yourself more established, is there any stories that kind of stick out for you where you're like it, it on either side of it, whether it be like, this is some shit you ain't gonna believe that happened. Like my favorite, my favorite stories are when people are like, this just broke. And you're like, that doesn't just break. And people are like, it just, it just broke. And you you go out and you're like, why does it have teeth marks on it? You know what I mean? Like that shit don't break. Any any crazy stories where you've had to go out and fix something because somebody said, "Hey, this broke," and you're like, "That that shit don't break." Well, I'm thinking about my client who called me one morning 
and said, we have some broken glass. And I said, what do you mean broken glass? Broken wine glasses or broken window glass? She goes, just come over. <laughs> and so I came so I came over to their beach house and she had discovered the husband in bed with his secretary. So she had thrown a bottle of wine through the wall. She had broken every picture in the house and that was the broken glass. And then she threw something on the bed that was wet. I assume a bucket of water. And then she threw Cheetos on the bed. I couldn't figure that out. And then she put all the sheets with her necklace, his jewelry, his wallet, his car keys, her car keys, his credit cards in the trash with the sheets. So I had to go in there like a forensic freaking crime scene and get this together because it was Thanksgiving in three days and they were having family over. And she also wrote on the wall, you're a cheating motherfucker like your mother. And I had to get, get rid of half the drywall. Wait a so second. I knew there was a fight. Do you know what she wrote it on the wall? The, the best part about the, the, the this entire thing is I didn't realize there was so much just sex involved in construction. We are in people's lives and you see husbands and wives going at it. And the husband had a little, hey, I like the party. He liked his whiskey. But, uh, you know, he made the mistake of going out with the secretary and he probably didn't mean to sleep with her because, you know, I don't know. But I think he was partying too hard. How do you? I didn't mean it. Slip fell right in it. Shit just was she, right there. Fell right wife, in. The wife knew she was. He was out, so she had followed them around and found him in the bar together, and then followed them home and waited. So, because uh, that's the what I got later, because she got him in the act. So, uh, and then when we after we got done cleaning the house, the first few hours about. Two o'clock in the afternoon, the husband comes straggling in and was very embarrassed. And he said, my whole life's like a country western song backwards. <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry, dude. We get it. I know we, we're going to get this done. It took us about three days to really get painted. But um, he yeah. showed up and he grabbed the girl's necklace. And I assume he was taking her things back and her car key back to her because they must have ran out of their half naked. I don't know. Yeah. Like at, at that point, what do you what do? You do? Oh, my God. Well, I imagine you. So, yeah. That's, yeah. And that, they couldn't uh, lie about it because she threw the wine bottle through the wall next to the writing in Sharpie, you're a cheating motherfucker. So she couldn't lie, you know, that's a pretty she good had to admit that's a that her husband arm. cheated. I mean, huh? that's a pretty good arm. I mean, if she got a wine bottle. You know, she managed to get half the bottle through the wall because that's pretty good. She was I, pissed. Yeah, yeah. she fired up. She that's a sturdy lady. I mean, she was sturdy. Yeah, no, she's not, she's a she is kickboxing like me. She is she's had big legs. Yep, sturdy. Use you use the legs to throw it. I mean, that's just wild to me. All right, I got to go with Nate's question because Nate, this is a required Nate question in any way, shape, or form. Uh, do you have a finished product project or winning a big bid go to meal? Do I have a, a project that just came to me or ever no, that like, came so to you, me? So if you finish like a big project or you got a big bid out or you finish a big job, when it's all said and done, do you have like a special meal? Like you, hey, we're going to go, we go to this restaurant, we go to a Ruth Chris or something like that. Do you have something? I take my guys to Javier's where they're allowed to drink and eat whatever they want. And they usually have steak, no Mexican food, but Javier's is a famous Mexican restaurant. And I always ask them if they want to bring their wives and they always say no. Because <laughs> I offer it. I go, want you bring everybody. Oh, no. <laughs> That's so great. We're going so they have a couple tequilas or more and then... Uh, we, we go to Javier's and Javier, I've known Javier, if nobody knows Javier's in the, on the West Coast here. 
I've known Javier for 35 years and his sons and his sons and I'll run it with him. So uh, beautiful place. One tequila, two tequila, three tequila, oh, yeah. four floor. Oh, yeah. uh, that tequila is like, it's definitely one of those things that I, uh, I'll mess with tequila. I, can't. I um, it makes me want to dance. It makes me a little hyper. Really? Yeah. Uh, it makes me, um, it gives me energy. <laughs> I, I always tell folks, if you want to know when the night is over for me and it's time to take things away from me, put me into the car, take me away. It's when you hear the words tequila sunrise come out of my mouth. Oh yeah. Then that's all sugar, man. That's why it's all sugar. It is. It is the end of the day and it, I shouldn't be there anymore. Wherever there is, it is completely over. You got to with tequila. You got to drink it straight and possibly sip it. Or just do one shot and then make one margarita. You know, you got to you got to prime yourself with one shot and then have a drink that you can enjoy. That's the only way to do it. I just realized my bottle's almost. A, this is about as close to tequila as I get, right there. Uh, there you go. Yeah. I like the cafe. One. The cafe. You ever had that? No, but I used to make my own tequila in my living room in an oak barrel, and when you poured it on, it was the color of these walls, and it tastes like cognac. So it was very sippable and almost sweet. It was gorgeous, really? like liquid gold. You, you get it in an oak barrel, just buy a Hirodero or a simple tequila, no Patron, nothing with flavor, two flavor. And you put it in it for six months, but it really turns good after three. And you can get the oak barrels on Amazon now. So we do uh, homemade Kahlua. Oh. And uh, the other one that we do, we call it Nanny's Hot Apple Pie, which, oh, yeah. which is uh, both of them you use pure grain in, which is 190 proof. I know one of my friends, he used to bring it from her dad's garage. He, garage. He was Italian. He made it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we make, those are the two the, the nanny's hot apple pie is just, we buy that. It's actually, it's a great apple juice. It's called simply apple. It's really mm. just apple. Use that cinnamon stick, sugar, boil it with uh, pure grain alcohol and pour it in and just let it sit. And you talk about the bottles. I buy the plastic green bottles off of Amazon. You buy them oh. twice at a time. And after you pour it, the bottles, you push the lid on, and it becomes just like a store lid where you can crack, where it seals the top and you have to unscrew it. Oh, uh, yeah. I would, that's why my uh, friend's dad used to put his homemade wine in the plastic bottle. That's funny. Oh, yeah. And the, I'm trying to – I thought I had one behind the bar. Now I'm looking. I might need to make some more now I'm thinking about it. Uh, the, other, the other one we used to make, it, the uh, – the Kahlua is a recipe that's been passed down a few generations and it's all seven parts, seven parts, oh. sugar, seven parts, water. Uh, it's all in seven parts. That's and interesting. When it's set and you, Oh, and it's uh seven, seven parts, instant coffee. Oh, wow. And when that probably tastes pretty good when it's all set, it's scary. Listen to me, Julie, that shit's scary. I tell people, uh, when it comes, when it sits in front of you, you, you get that. I give you that much and people uh -huh. are like, there's, there's nothing. I'm like, listen to me. <laughs> it's going to hurt you. It's 190 proof. That's no, I, I took a sip of my friend's uh, 190 proof. And I thought, you know what? Take it out of my house. I'm not doing this. Mm -mm. Yeah, it, it'll make you blind. Uh, yeah, no, you, did, you, you don't want to mess with that. It's yeah. You can't really drink that. It's, I mean, drink and drink, you know. <laughs> it's, like you said, it's it's a big sipper kind of thing. So mm -hmm. we're getting ready to close the bar up here in a little bit. So do you do – I know you got your podcast. How often does that come out? It's once a week. Uh, any particular day that 
day and location. Tuesday. So every Just Tuesday. Tuesdays and all the Apple podcast, all this, whatever. Yeah, it's all up online yeah. stuff. So every Tuesday we can find the, the podcast and that's Julie Lawton Living. Yes. All right. So Julie Lawton Living, we can find that. If you have, if you want to find out about the seven steps, that's JulieLawtonDesignBuild.com. Yes. And that'll give you your seven steps to not get screwed over in a deal when you get ready yep. to do your own project. That's huge to me right there. It I, is I, a lot I, of good advice. And just, so, just as long as you know that process, you know, no one can talk you into something. I, I think that's the key to it. Most of us don't know a process. We, we go on to Angie or we go on to uh, Thumbtack. We say, hey, this is what I need done. And somebody comes in and goes, look, I got, look, don't even worry about it. Permits. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need no permits. Yeah, that's the problem. And then the next thing you know, you're, somebody's doing something on your house and you're going, and the code enforcement comes and goes, what's going on here? Yeah. Or a uh, beam falls down or something starts on fire. You know, that happens too. And so, you know, I tell you most people, you can sit there and say, you don't need it. I got this. Okay. You're when your insurance company goes, well, you didn't have any permits or anything. Uh, Guess at what all. happens. And, uh, Kristen, I love her to death. She's always on fire. She wants to know if you're speaking at any events. I'm speaking at um, inspire women, I believe very soon. And then I'm, probably going to speak at one of the national um, housing um, uh, yearly events for, you know, where all the contractors go. So mm-hmm. I've got, and then I have Ted talk coming, but that'll probably oh, be in the fall. Talk. Probably be in the fall. I, Cause we got held up from COVID. So I want to do a Ted talk. I don't know what I want to do. You should. You'd be, be a natural and um, they make it go through a little training, but otherwise you'd be such a natural. Cause Oh my God, it's yeah. But I don't know what I do a Ted talk on. Just, oh my God, just life and uh, how you, you know, your life, you know, how you, you know, started your business and survived. You were a Marine and you went into life having kids. I mean, geez, that's a big deal. I would definitely like to do a TED Talk. I think it would be fun. Now, are you doing the TED Talk or the TEDx? It's the TEDx. Okay. Because I'm trying to I figure believe. But what's the difference? No. Look, do, All I know is the TEDx is a training and then they put you on the TED Talk. I just know you have to go through their training program. Kristen's already on. And then, they, then you get on stage, which is, I think it's just TED Talk on stage, but the TEDx is the program. Okay. I, I, know I, I don't think you can just show up unless you're a really super well-known speaker. You just show up and they book you, but they make you go through the TEDx, uh, you know, the training. It's okay. like six weeks. See, I didn't know. See, I'm learning. I didn't no, know. They, make it, they, they make you write your speech with them. They take no chances. And then they make okay. you practice. I don't blame them. I still look, I headline my podcast based on the way they do theirs. I oh. look at how Ted talks put out, how they're going to do their, how they list their stuff on YouTube. And I copied it. Oh, neat. Because they're, they're so smart about it, about the way yeah, they know they're good. So look, folks, go check out what Julie's and social media wise. It's all at Julie, J U L I E Lawton, L A U G H T O N. Follow her on Facebook, follow her on LinkedIn. I, I can't tell you folks enough. I say this every week, every time we do a show, taking that time to follow somebody, to follow their podcast, to give them a five-star rating, to leave a comment. You might think, well, this is silly. I don't care about it. It's not a big deal. It really doesn't matter. It's just for our egos. Sure, does it help my ego? I'm never going to lie to you and say it doesn't. I, I've got one. But I'm telling you, for Julie 
to take that next step for this podcast, for more people to hear about what Julie's got going on. Your time, your effort to put those things in truly does make a difference for us. It really does boost those kind of things. And you can find me any place that you can imagine. I will put this thing on a transistor radio if I could find one so that people could listen to it. We're at everything. So uh, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all those kind of places, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, everywhere you can imagine that you could listen to a podcast. You can find it. Sounds like Julie is the same as I am. She puts it everywhere. So you can find, find them, take the time, do those kind of things. We got another great speaker coming up on Wednesday. Start seeing the post tomorrow. He's a coach and a speaker. Kristen hooked, hooked us up with that one also. She is amazing. Nice. Yes. I look between Nate and Kristen, I don't really have to do much. They find most of my guests for me. I know they're busy little bees. They really are amazing because they're very social people and they're likable. Uh, but they they find them and they hook us up. And you guys get to, to enjoy that opportunity. Look at that. Cody just gave you a follow. Cody's awesome. Cody will be on in a couple of weeks also. Uh, we're talking about what she's got going on with her new retreat. So make sure you give everybody a like, follow, and share. It's always important to us. Uh, now, Julie, don't log off afterwards because we got to talk for a moment. Okay. But in every show, uh, this is because I know, like, like we talked about before, you listen to all 180 of them or whatever this number is. I don't even know what number. I have them all memorized. I got them all memorized. Transcript them. I imagine you got notes on everything. Uh-huh. So you know the next part that's coming up. The guest always gets the last word. So what's the last word for tonight, Julie? Get out there and do it and have fun. Follow your passion. Don't take shit from anyone. Alrighty, folks. Be sure to push your stool in. This has been an Earplug Podcast presentation. Found on EarplugPodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.